Hi, and welcome to this week's Three Legs, Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with... Dan, Chris and Lee. Are we keeping the same names all the way through the show, or are we going to force India it? I might change... I, I think we should race in point it. I oh. might change my name halfway through the show, and I'm opening... Well, in fact, no, not halfway through this show. I've just had a brainwave. I'm going to change my name to whatever the highest bidder says I'm going to change my name to out of all of our listeners. So you're now Chris Hilfiger. I could be. <laughs> if if somebody pays enough money, and I'll introduce myself on next week's show as whatever the, the highest bidder says. I've always felt... I've this, got 10 quid. <laughs> this has been done in motor racing before. Okay, so what am I changing my name in to, Dan? Br- Dan, it, £10? In British touring cars, I've yeah. got I've got a thousand. I'm trying to get you more money, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah in, Brit- in British touring cars, there was a driver called John Batchelor, who ran his own BTCC team. Yeah, and for sponsorship, he legally changed his name to John Top Gear when Top Gear magazine sponsored the team. That was only a one-year deal. The following year. He officially changed his name again by deed pull to John B and Q. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's that's clever though. Yeah. It's clever. It I've always good. felt that my parents missed the opportunity of not starting my name with the, the yeah, the Batman. You know, the, all the greats. Yeah, yeah. Go, go on a little bit off topic here, but uh, not that we're on more, topic more, at the more moment. Feel, it feels more like a patron from Patreon. Yeah, it does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, I found you out can hear more stuff like this if you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash three legs four wheels and pledge. I found out in this last week that Germany has a department, a government department for naming children. If you want to call your child something that's not a designated name already, they have to approve it. And if they don't approve it, you can't call your child that. So I wonder if they could have. I wonder if the FIA could have that for uh, F1 teams. And what are Racing Point Racing going to be called next week? What am I going to be on next week's podcast? Oh, I don't know. I've not decided yet. <laughs> but yes, the, the main the main sort of Force India related story is that um, let's let's get the timeline right. On Friday, they announced that Lance Stroll will be driving for Force India, mm-hmm. because, which shocked us. Yeah, because <laughs> greatly. We didn't we didn't know that. Until nowhere, Friday. didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he must have really impressed in the um, in the postseason Pirelli test. It, it, it's so strange how it took so long, though, isn't it? It is still strange. Yeah, I mean, it took until Williams announced both of their drivers for us to officially go. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> Lance Stroll's not driving at Williams next year, then. And even then, mm. it took Force India Racing Point, whatever they're called. They were called Force India at the time. That it took them another week to I- go. Yeah, we've got Lance. <laughs> I think they announced their name change at the same time as announcing Lance Stroll, didn't they? It was about an hour and a half after they announced Lance Stroll that the 2019 official entry came out. Mm. They listed on there as Racing Point F1. However, since Friday, and it's now Monday, they've said that they are going to be changing the name for the new season. So there won't be Racing Point. So I'm assuming there'll be some kind of sponsor's name in there. Yeah, because the official entry list, you have to abide by your name entry on that. Unless... Unless all other teams on the grid approve, uh, approve the your, change. Uh, and a sponsorship name can also... A sponsor's ne- title sponsor's name can be added. Yeah, right. so they might become three legs, four wheels, racing point, Formula One team. It's not going to happen. It, heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to happen because we don't have all of those Benjamins. No, none of the Benjamins. And uh, talking of rich Canadians, Williams have today announced that Nicholas Latifi will be the test driver. Which is interesting. Yes, uh, he's going to be doing six FP1 sessions during the course of the season yeah. and in-season and post-season testing as well. Yeah. Um, what do we reckon? 
insurance policy for Kubica or I think general right development? Before. I wouldn't be surprised if Ocon gets a Williams hint, you know, reserve driver. So let, let's just be clear. He is test driver or reserve driver or both? Test and reserve. Test and reserve. Which is interesting because Williams usually have separate test yeah. and reserves. Um, yeah, because last season Kubica was the reserve driver and Paul DeResta mm. was the test driver? I think Ollie Rowland was the test and development driver. Yeah, I think DeResta was out of Williams last season. Yes, sorry, he was. Ollie Rowland, who has now taken the seat that Alexander Alban was going to have in Formula E. Mm. Alexander Alban, who hasn't announced what number he'll be racing in Formula One yet. No. We, although we do know what numbers everybody else would be racing. I, I like to know what numbers people are racing with. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> and Kubitz has chosen 88. Very lucky in China. Was, is it? Well, yeah. was Rio Harianto's number? Didn't work out so well for him. Oh. That's because he wasn't in China. <laughs> <laughs> he was at least uh, once. At the Chinese Grand Prix, <laughs> yeah. But apart from that. <laughs> the one race he won. <laughs> and, of course, the, uh, the driver with the Twitter handle, George Russell 63, has taken 63. Yeah. It's yeah. just as well that wasn't gone, innit? Yeah. I was surprised <laughs> to see that Lando Norris took number four. Mm. I, I think thought he was going for 17 or something along those lines. Because if you look at his logo, it kind of looks like a 17 or a 40. It, it looks does like a, actually. a 47, which yeah. of course is McLaren's test number. Um, he's gone for four. If I, if I was me, I'd be bullshit enough to turn around and say, I want the closest one to number one. <laughs> yeah, which would which be would four. Be two, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, Stoffel van Dorn's had that. Yeah. So um, so that's not free until 2020? Something like Well, technically, number four isn't free until the beginning of next year. True, but it will be free at the first race of the season when the Are season we really starts. talking about driving numbers? Yes. Yeah. Right, no, okay. not much <laughs> else has happened. <laughs> no, this is true. I think it's I think it's interesting. I like when they when they change to the to the driver keeps their number thing. All right, Rain Man. No, I, I, just, uh, I, I am just count drivers. Just count count drivers. <laughs> Here's a bit of trivia question for you. Which which Formula One driver went in consecutive seasons number one, two, three, four, ten? Uh Damon Hill. No. No. In five oh, seasons, there was a zero in there, one, wasn't there? Two, three, four, and then number ten. So it'll be somebody who was a world champion, was a teammate of a world champion, and and the team. Hmm, I don't know. I I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Oh, is it? Yeah. Number one in 2009, number two in 2010, number three in 2011, number four in 2012, and then went to Mercedes and became number 10. We've got all the numbers trivia. Yeah, we do. Numbers control the fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well done if you got that listening wherever you're listening. That was like like an early total shunt. Yeah, not really. No. Uh, But one thing that we do have on, um, on this week's slightly shorter than normal podcast because there isn't a great deal going on. Um, we've just had a conversation with Jenny Gow. Yep. Would you like to listen to it? I think that would be, um, I think that would be something good to uh, drop in about here. BBC and ESPN's Jenny Gow, who uh, very nicely decided to join us for this week's show. Jump cut. So, jump cut time. So, any eagle-eyed um, Twitter followers or anyone that follows us on Facebook know we have a special guest on this week, and it is Jenny Gow. Welcome along, Jenny. Thanks for joining I, us. I Hello. feel like that's already a very big 
sort of upsell there. I feel like people are only ever going to be disappointed by going, we've got a special guest. It's, oh, it's Jenny Gao. Oh. <laughs> but hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> nice to have you on the show. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for asking me. No problem at all. And thank, thank you for volunteering to uh, come on with a bunch of chances like us. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the same as we do every week, really. Except none of us have actually raced in F1 like Julian Palmer has. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that, that, is, that is a fair point. Although Chris has been known to set the occasional car on fire. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> only occasionally. <laughs> An F1 car? That's amazing. No, no, not an F1 car. Just, just, just a normal, normal standard, ordinary car. It, it was never proved. Uh, no. It, it was wasn't. him behind Hulkenberg's car <laughs> last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it like wasn't. a cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, F1 2018, it's all done and dusted then. I know. I'm as we speak. I've I've just picked out my little notebook that I take with me. It's not only Ted Kravitz that has a notebook. I also have one. I think most journalists do. Jenny's notebook. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have quite the same ring, does it? But um, I've just started to sellotape it up because it's a little bit sad. Like I take it to every single race. Yeah, it's looking a little bit battered. Really is battered. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, my sticking abilities will um, will do the job. Again, you could go back to um, 2016 Lotus and use their gaffer tape. <laughs> Someone's probably already bought it and is using it as we speak. Something very, maybe Mercedes bought it and that's the winning formula. Maybe it is. Ah, it could, yeah. be. It could be. So what, what did you think to this season overall? Um, I know it's a wide-ranging question, but what stood out for you? I think it's been a great season. We've actually had racing. I remember, <laughs> I remember a couple of years. Sorry, if there's a sound of sellotape in the background. I am re really taping as we go. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, know if you can hear. Ambiance, it's fine. <laughs> I thought so. It <laughs> gives you a whole sensory overload, and that's what we're meant to do on podcasts, I believe. But um, yeah, I think 2018 has been fantastic. Um, it's nice that we've had some emerging talent. It's nice that on several races we've actually had a a charge to the to the flag which feels like a long time since we've been able to do that with maybe more than just one car <laughs> yeah absolutely um, I've, I've really liked um 2018 um and i think if if we could replicate some of the racing that we've had in 2018 going forward and maybe just open it up so that we've got a couple more cars in the mix i'd be i'd be happy I mean, it, look, it looks like the development race for next year has uh, well and truly started. Um, a lot of new names are going to be on the grid. in May, I believe. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, Alonso did say that that car hadn't, um, hadn't imp been improved since Barcelona. I mean, yeah. He might have actually been telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Although the team adamantly denied that. I think they were just testing parts from... May onwards for next year because the wow. car was so atrocious. I think uh, McLaren and Williams from the first test, you knew something was up, didn't you? Oh, it's just um, it makes you feel a little bit sick, doesn't it? Still going, McLaren and Williams are shocking, and then you just go, how have they got it so wrong? Well, I think it might be our fault because they let us, well, they let me and Paul go and speak to Lando this year at the Technology Centre, and I'm almost convinced that we've done something. <laughs> so, something going back to 2015. <laughs> yeah, but Mercedes also let us into the factory to interview George Russell, and they didn't seem to do so bad. No, just true. think how much they could have won by, though. <laughs> 
And when their car went missing for a few weeks, is that when you went to do an interview with them? You know that car that Chris definitely didn't set on fire? (laughs) That might not have been that one. (laughs) For legal reasons, it wasn't. (laughs) What if we worried about legal reasons on this show? So 2018, Jenny, we've seen like an ebb and a flow, as you were saying. We've seen racing um, between uh, different cars, charges to 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 the flag and thing. When you're in the paddock, and do, do you feel the atmosphere changing as the weekend goes, uh, you know, from the Friday through to the Sunday when, you know, on a Friday it can look like one car has definitely got the pace and then by the Sunday, um, you know, it, it's a completely different team that have just sort of shocked everybody in the race. Um, do you feel that, uh, the, the, the same sort of change that we, that we pick up, up on TV, is that, is, do you feel that in the paddock as well? I think probably to a lesser extent because everybody's just so busy in the paddock. Like there isn't, I don't think, anybody who really just floats around. So when you're in the paddock, everybody has a purpose. And because of that, you you don't see as much of that kind of ebbing and flowing over a weekend that you get if you're not at a race weekend. It sounds really strange. You'd think you would. But um, I think everyone's just so fixated on you know, every session and every moment and and trying to get it right, that kind of that becomes the all-consuming thing. And at the end of the weekend, you suddenly realise that there's been this massive sway from what you thought was going to happen on a Thursday when you're in your press interviews and you're talking to the drivers and some of the team members to the time on Sunday where you're talking to the drivers and, so, and some of the team members again. And, and you just go, wow, that that did not go how anyone expected it to go but that's that's the point of sport isn't it that's that's the the great thing about it is that it surprises you and shocks you sometimes or it should do yeah absolutely i mean it's just it's one of those things isn't it you know you sort of you're so involved in the sport you don't really get to see sort of what's going on 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 track all the time i suppose um but with I've forgotten the point I was going to make then. <laughs> but um, with everybody being so so busy in the paddock and everybody having their own jobs, um, how easy or difficult is it for for you and, and other people in the media as well to just stop team principals when you sort of just happen to be passing them or, you know, uh, race engineers and just try and get a little bit of information or like a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a head start over your competitors in the, in the media? Um, that actually isn't too bad. Um, I think it was my eighth season this year. So obviously you've built up a bit of a relationship with some people and um, you can go up to to so many people in this paddock are really welcoming. And it's one of the things I found most surprising when I walked into the paddock for the first time, that people are really willing to share their knowledge and the information that they have. And bearing in mind, you're talking about some, I think, of the most clever people on the planet, potentially. They're, I mean, they're really clever people. Um, and and they are willing to give you the information that they can without sort of compromising what they're going to do over a race weekend to try and help me impart their knowledge to people at home. So I, I was really surprised by that. Um, and now, obviously, the more time you spend in there, the more people talk to you and the more I can hopefully try and... Um, give people a clue at home as to as to what's going on behind just the tv pictures or what they see so yeah people are pretty welcoming does it give you more freedom because like i i listen to the uh, five live podcast uh, every week um, very good and you you don't seem to pull as many punches as the tv people do it, it feels like they have to walk the line a little bit more 
Is that because of the like the radio or podcast element of it? Um, I don't know. It's probably just because I'm a loudmouth girl that doesn't like to, you know, <laughs> take no for an answer. I, in general, I think we are as a sort of trio. We're quite relaxed in what we do. Jack, um, Jack Nichols, the commentator, and Jolian Palmer, who is coma commentator, know the sport so well that I think a lot of the time they give you the ability to just go with something because they know they know what they're talking about. Mm. Um, and that means that, you know, we don't have to worry too much. Oh, are we going to upset someone or are we saying the wrong thing or is this factually incorrect? Because they nail it. Julian, so that gives me the ability, you know, to to feel like I can I can get away with a bit more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julie, Julian's actually turned into one of my absolute like favorite pundits now. I think he's ace on the podcast. He is absolutely. Um, he's brought something to the team. Everybody that I've worked with and worked alongside has brought something different to the team. But he, I mean, he's the freshest person out of a Formula One car. Um, and he isn't, he doesn't have any allegiances. Like if you look at a lot of the co-coms that are out there, they still have allegiances to teams. They still have to be a little bit respectful to certain people. Julian doesn't have to worry about that. He's not interested in going back to the paddock. He's not interested in keeping people. (laughs) (laughs) He's not interested in keeping people happy. So he'll just be really honest, and he's he has been brilliant to work with. Dan, you look like you're about to say something. No, I wasn't. I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Some interviewer I am. (laughs) So going going back to this, um, going back to the season that's just finished. Aside from the obvious, with Lewis Hamilton being massively dominant, who else impressed you the most over the course of the year? Oh, you know, I, I hate being predictable, but there are, I think, three really easy answers to that. The first one is, I feel like there's a QI buzzer that's going to go off as soon as I say his <laughs> name. Um, but Charles Leclerc has been brilliant. Um, Can't argue with that at all. No, nodding in agreement, which works really well on the podcast. (laughs) Certainly does. I am also nodding. Um, I think he has brought a new energy to the sport, much like Max Verstappen did when he started. But with Max, there were lots of people who were quite critical and and sceptical or had their worries about, was he too young? Nobody has a concern over Charles Leclerc. Everyone's just like, game on, 2019. Let's see what the boy can do. I think that's it helps I... that he's been so respectful about everyone. If mm-hmm. he's if he's been in a race long battle, he's said, "I've learned so much following them," and things like that. He's, he seems less explosive. Than yeah, Max. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Max. Max is a, you know controversial figure. He's another person I think that's been really impressive this year. Once he sorted himself out post Canada, really. Um, once he threatened to headbutt one of the journalists <laughs> if they asked him. <laughs> Another question about his attitude. Um, I think after that, I mean, everybody says, oh, no, that, you know, he's just doing what he's always done and he's just Max. No, something happened in the season to turn him from bullshy teenager into bullshy teenager who can drive really well. <laughs> I, I think you could see the rough edges starting to buff off Max in the last half of the season. Yeah, I think he was really exciting and again shows the potential for next year of what could be. And and that's what we need in the sport. 
if we're going to not be on TV anymore for people to watch it free to air, then we need characters and we need storylines and plots that make people go, oh, this is worth, you know, either mortgaging my house for again or listening to the radio for or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to do. Find a dodgy stream, you know the way. <laughs> do you think Honda is going to manage to go together for Red Bull? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Honda were really challenged working with McLaren. I think they were both really challenged together. It was just a bad relationship from the start. Um, and they didn't, McLaren didn't give Honda any freedom. They basically said, here's a, a round circular um, hole. Can you build us a round circular peg for it? And the peg that Honda wanted to build wasn't quite round. So it was a disastrous relationship and it turned really caustic. I mean, you spoke to people in the paddock about it off the record and, and they just gave you an impression that this was a really, really bad relationship. And as soon as that was broken and, and McLaren, you know, walked away having their little hissy fit, um, Honda went, woohoo, we're free. I can now go and have a relationship with someone who's going to treat me nicely. Um, and, and you feel like that's what's happened. And yes, you know, Red Bull are going to be hard taskmasters for sure, but at least they've been given some time with Toro Rosso to make mistakes to and to try and get things right in their minds so that they can move forward. And, you know, I think, uh, yes, reliability might still be a problem, but I think horsepower-wise, they're now going to deliver a little bit more than Renault could, which is exciting. That will be exciting. That will be, uh, it'll be something to look forward to for next year. Absolutely. So going, uh, looking forward to 2019, is there anything that you think you know, might be worth keeping an eye out that, that other other people, fans like us and, and mainstream media that, that isn't the BBC, may have, <laughs> may have missed out on so far? Oh, crikey. Now that's hard, bearing in mind I work for the BBC, so you'd hope that I've given them all of the, <laughs> all of the information that I could. Um, obviously, uh, Leclerc is going to be great. Um, it's, it's really tricky. Um, I think Force India, whatever they're called, will be exciting as well to see what they can do with some cashola, because obviously the strolls are bringing a fair bit of money, I, I hear. Quite the a mix. lot. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Williams are going to be the place to look out for, really, because I feel like, I mean, I might not be alone in saying this, but I feel like their drivers didn't get the best out of the car this year. Not, um, not really, no. So put a couple of drivers in there who've got a bit of poke about them. George Russell, you know, being an awesome example of that. And let's see what they can do with the car. They've got to improve it from this year. I think we've just got to. I hope so. So, so yeah, um, and I, you know, there's some interesting signings, and I mean, Daniel Kvyat bringing him back is a bold move. I think for him, I'd be surprised if all of the 20 drivers make it to the end of the year. I was going to say they didn't manage to sack him this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, maybe they did. We just don't know about it. <laughs> I mean, does does Toro Rosso taking on two drivers for 2019 that have already been fired from the Red Bull Young Driver program mean that the whole of that is just completely up in the air and even Red Bull aren't sure what they're doing with the young drivers anymore? Well, they've got Dan Tictum coming through, haven't they? Yeah phenomenal just won himself um one of the awards last night at the autosport awards and he's really hotly tipped if he can control his 
slightly volatile temperament. <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair to say. That, that, that's putting it subtly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, you subtle. Um, I think if he can control that, then he could carry that program a little bit further. But I... I have a bad feeling about all of these sort of young driver programs. All of them are not really pulling through what they needed it to do. Ferraris, bizarrely, is the most successful at the moment. Who saw that coming? Because Mm. they've not really been known for their driver development. But I think teams are going to have to start or they're going to want to start doing things slightly differently, which I fear that could leave Toro Rosso in a bit of a sticky wicket um, with without uh, any drivers really coming through for for Red Bull, but let's see. Well, Toro Rosso has always been a bit confusing to me because if you get two good drivers, let's say like Daniel um, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen in a Red Bull, so if, if Red Bull could have kept giving them the car that they that they were both happy with that could win races, that's the Red Bull locked out there for what ten fifteen years if they could keep doing it. So. At that point, it's just a meat grinder for young drivers that come in and fall out and come in. John Eric Verne being a prime example of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, there have been some sorry days, haven't there, in in the programme um, with very talented drivers having no progression routes and, and nowhere to go and they don't have the money to go to another team because that's why they're in the young driver programme with Red Bull because they didn't have the money in the first place to fund themselves a lot of the time. So it is really difficult, but... Then look at the situation now. They have potentially a car next year, which could win. They had Ricardo and Verstappen signed and ready to go, yet Ricardo didn't want to go. He didn't want to stay with them. So I think there will always be, if you've got two very good drivers in a team, I feel one of them will leave to try and do another route up there because the other driver will get slight preference or more success. Do you think that's why uh, Ricardo left and it wasn't? the like lack of faith in Honda? I don't think it was a lack of faith in Honda. I think Red Bull kind of just destroyed him as a person and who he was. Much like, you know, when Hamilton left McLaren, he became Lewis Hamilton that we know today because he was allowed some freedom. He was allowed to be him. And I think Ricardo fancied a bit of that. He wanted to be him and he wanted to mould a team around him. I just fear that in going to Renault, he's going to a team that don't have a capacity to win a race unless it's some sort of freak result. And that would be really sad, isn't it? If we don't see Daniel Ricciardo back on a podium ever again, would be awful. I think the the biggest uh, guy to to win from that situation is if Hulkenberg can compare favourably to Ricciardo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It'll be interesting to see whether he can or not. He's... He's the person with the most potential that hasn't really delivered ever. Um, and you go, come on, Hulkenberg, if Perez can do it, you can do it. <laughs> well, I, always just, I always refer Chiffle to him on the show as a German <laughs> Jensen Button. He always feels like he's the sort of driver that if he just gets a car for that one year, he can probably do it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like that, German Jensen Button. Yep, right, we'll be listening for that one next season. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be able to get away with it. I feel. <laughs> we'll, be listen- we'll be listening for Julian Palmer saying it next yeah. season. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Yeah, I'll feed it into Jack. <laughs> so we've had like over over just over half the grid moving around uh, from you know, drivers moving teams to switching um, switching seats. 
Um, but the one that's probably made the most headlines is the comeback of Robert Kubica after a number of years out of the sport. We had a long conversation on the podcast last week about differing opinions on his return, um, positive and negative, both of which I think were, were good good arguments. We had mm-hmm. a good debate yeah. last week about it. Um, what's your take on the on the return of Robert Kubica? And you know, is it? Fair to put him up against um, George Russell as a you know George being a rookie, Robert being essentially a rookie again, um, having to adapt to use that you know use the steering wheel in the way that he does. Okay, I'm going to do quick whip around because I I apologise didn't listen to last week's podcast. So That's quick fine. whip around of um, are you in favour or against Kubica? Chris here, I'm in favour of Robert Kubica returning. Dan in favour. Paul in favour. Lee is not in favour. Okay, so three to one. Mm-hmm. I am in favour. Um, I just hope that he can do what he wants to do in that car. I think it must have been incredibly frustrating to have gone through everything he has. He's finally got this opportunity. He's back in a Formula 1 car. It is, I think, one of the greatest sporting comebacks of all time. Um, and I just hope it doesn't disappoint him. Oh, don't, um, don't get me wrong. I, I I really want to see him do well, but I'm uh, I'm confused by the thing by if I know um, drivers used to come into Formula One quite older and stay stay around longer and win world championships when they, when they were older. But if he was coming back completely but healthy at thirty thirty four, I think he'll be in Australia. Yeah, we'd be saying this is a bit weird. He's probably too old to get a drive. Um, would we? I mean, Schumacher came back, Massa hung around for what seemed like it forever, even though he was actually younger than Kibitzer will be, was it, when he left? He I mean, it's touch twice. and go. <laughs> eight, eight <laughs> yeah. Years yeah. Out, though, isn't it? Eight years yeah. out. Um, and, and look at Kimmy. I mean, age knows no bounds. Um, well, he stick himself in a freezer every night, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that works. I might do it over winter. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think this is Williams we're talking about. He's not coming in at a Ferrari level. He's not coming in at Mercedes level. He's coming in at a team that desperately need to find their way. And I think Robert could be brilliant at doing that. They've had a long time to assess him. And they've got quite a lot of money for him to come back. And it's a great feel-good story. So Williams win out of this, I think, either way. I think he's definitely good press for them as well. You know, much needed good press. Yes, after the disaster that has been the last two years, they had to turn it around. So this for them, I think, is a step into a new area. And let's see what he can do. George Russell, we know, is good. But they've the guys keep making this point on the show. They don't have a reference point in that team. Mm-hmm. So how do you judge what's good? How do you judge one from the other how do you judge their feedback you know it's going to be they're going to have a very steep learning curve in that team working with these guys yes yeah, they can't exactly. even compare can they from um, last year to this year having changed out both drivers and not really knowing the capacity of of, of this you know, 2018 car and as you were saying before not really getting the uh, stroll and Sorokin not really getting the best out of it when they had the opportunity to and of course, today, yeah. today they've just announced uh, Nicholas Latifi is going to be the reserve driver as well. So it's a complete clean sweep. It is. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, you know, we kind of saw that in the stars, I suppose, when your dad invests a lot of money in a team. It kind of seems like it 
ends up that you end up driving for the team in some capacity. <laughs> crazy. I thought, da- I thought his dad had put the money into McLaren. Latifi's dad. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, I kind of feel like maybe he's. Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. He might be hedging his bets. <laughs> Is he hedging his bets? Th- Is there some sort of lit? Pulling the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> if he did put it into McLaren, you might yeah. have buyer's remorse. <laughs> Now I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm now googling. That's bad. Isn't it? <laughs> no, we do this thing on the podcast all the time. We always force Paul to do left-handed googling because <laughs> his laptop's always on his left-hand side, and he always has to check things that facts that that I just randomly come up with during a podcast. And I have no idea whether they're true or not. <laughs> See, we're normally quite lucky in that people just use the hashtag BBCF1 and correct us on anything when we go wrong. So we're just like, oh well, we've gone wrong again. Oh look, thousands of people are messaging us to say we're idiots. Yeah, we, we use- usually get proved wrong on a Tuesday when news gets confirmed two hours after the podcast comes yeah. out. Yeah, that's mean, isn't it? Um, so, Michael Latifi is a Canadian businessman who's CEO of a food company. He also owns a British Virgin Island. That must be horrible. He's more, he's more <laughs> offshore than we are. <laughs> um, he's invested £200 million in the McLaren Group. Oof. Wow. Um, leading is... leading some to think that he could be promoted to a role at McLaren. That's not right, is it? <laughs> I, I'm still convinced at some point uh, Fernando Alonso will be team principal of McLaren. Are you? Yeah, I, I, I think that's why he, so, he he still seems to be staying you know, around them. And Well, Kamoa have got a hand, haven't they, in, in, in the McLaren team for 2019. Lando Norris is the, is the official Kamoa athlete. For 2019, so there's the, there's that tie in as well. But um, yeah, and with the the whole indie car thing, it just doesn't seem like he's ready to just like cut all ties. You know, like when he when he le- when he left Ferrari, he just cut off all ties, mm. didn't he? You know, yeah, to to go to McLaren. When he when he left any team before, he's just just it's been a clean break. It's not a clean break with him leaving McLaren and you know this potential sort of indie car. Is it one race? Is it going to be a full season in a couple of years? Just the fact that he's got that thread hanging on makes me think that he will come back sometime. Yeah. Well, I my shock, uh, my shock, crazy story for next year will be that Alonso will be back in a Formula One car at some point next year. <laughs> so oh, clearly, I don't think the ties have been cut. Um, but he's, in fairness, the ties have been cut. I'm not sure by him every time he's left a team. No. I mean, nobody no, would have a back. So. I mean, the fact that he's leaving Formula One because nobody else would have him means that he can leave McLaren on a relatively, you know, good um, vibe. And they changed their whole engine supplier because of him. So they're not powered by Honda anymore. So he's got his way in everything he wanted. So he can kind of leave with his head held high and go, yeah, I, you know, I've made all the foundations of that team to be great in the future. Let's see what happens. Sorry, sorry about that. I think that recorded. I'm just getting alerts. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had a laptop uh, laptop update. Was that an update alert? Uh, no, that was a um, that was that was an alert from Rift Tracks to say that they've done a talk over soundtrack to a new film. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm glad I know that. My life feels better. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, when you're in the paddock this year. With Ferrari having such a good car for so long and then everything kind of fallen to bits for them a little bit, was it difficult speaking to them? Is that something that... Oh, my God. Like, it's impossible speaking to Ferrari full stop, whether they've got an amazing car or the worst car ever. Like, they just don't share. 
they're like the greedy kid with all the toys and um just after it was after the mexican grand prix um and i ran around like an idiot as i normally do trying to find people to speak to um, and I managed to find um, Ariva Benet, and I'm like, hurrah, thank goodness, I can speak to him. He turns to me, bearing in mind this is all like I do everything live, pretty much. So I'm live on air, I'm presenting the program, trying to line up the interview at the same time. I don't have anyone around me, so I'm just trying to line up this interview at the same time. And he turns around to me and goes, you have one question. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean just they're they're just very difficult to deal with um they have a media session on a thursday for sebastian vettel you know the height of him challenging for the championship let's say um hungary that's a good one because obviously the events of germany were pretty seismic yeah um so they put out 12 chairs in front of one chair for sebastian vettel and they expect the world's media to gather like there's one media session is th- for that the day. Like a, that like... sounds like a power play, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> you'll ju- you will bend to us because we're Ferrari. It's just yeah. I mean, it's all a bit historical and psychological, and it's just night and day compared to how Mercedes operate. You know, Mercedes go out of their way to inform us on what's happening. They offer up their team principal or whoever they can to give us information. Um, and they are a very transparent team, even when things go wrong. Oh, hell, they even let us in. <laughs> well, I hear they'll let anyone in these days. <laughs> ah, there we go. That makes, that makes me feel better. <laughs> although, although traditionally, Mercedes have given Toto Wolff to the media, who will say one thing, and then Nicky Lauda, who will say exactly the opposite. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? I remember Spa, when <laughs> Rosberg and Hamilton collided. <laughs> we went up to both of them, and they both were just like... <laughs> They might as well have been having open goals and we were just scoring. <laughs> it, was, it was the stuff of legends. It was brilliant. I love it. But do you think um, do you think Charles Leclerc coming into Ferrari, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do. Do you think there's a chance of another Daniel Ricciardo Vettel situation? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I think the whole media is just standing there waiting by. All the fans are standing waiting by going, how is this one going to play out? Because either... Leclerc's going to come in and destroy Vettel, like psychologically, speed-wise, skill set, pace, everything. Or he's going to come in and Vettel is just going to go, you know what? I'm not going to have this young whippersnapper chasing around my heels. I'm raising my game and he'll go out and he'll win the title. And that's, I, I see it as one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is going to be one of, the, uh, one of the huge stories of next season. For definite. Yeah, I think so. I can't help feeling that it's going to be another open goal for Hamilton because Ferrari are going to trip over each other with internal politics. Oh my God, I can't believe you're tweeting at the same time as doing this and you've just tweeted that Nicholas Latifi's joining Williams. Ah, no, that is actually Sean, who's the other member of the team, has just written the story up and put it on the website. She's uh, not able to be with us tonight <laughs> because she's she was working at her day job, but she's... It's- it's almost as if you're mocking me, going, you're an idiot. Honestly, she she's not in the room. She's not in the room. She's we in. have no contact with her right now. <laughs> she, she's, in feel, our, she's in our house three miles away, I promise you. I feel like Sean is clearly the, um, the person I should be. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that you sat there looking at our oh, Twitter feed isn't a little bit creepier from perfectly honest. <laughs> 
how do you think I do radio? I just steal everybody's information, surely. No, I've just I've got TweetDeck open at the moment, just in case there's any big stories breaking. That's how I live my life through TweetDeck. Um, so it's and, not and just it's, me then. <laughs> yeah, it, I just follow you. But they they very Only rarely person. break on a Monday evening. <laughs> Unless, well, we thought nothing would break in the summer break as well. This season has been officially the longest season ever just because the summer break never happened. Because yeah. every driver decided to announce their move in the summer break. It's selfish. It's, it's all rude. leads up to a quiet off-season, though, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny wants a quiet winter this year. <laughs> yeah. Cue everything going wrong and someone crazy announcing their retirement. Lewis Hamilton getting injured in a speedway crash. Uh, yeah. Rosberg back to crash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be a great story. Well, if a big story does break during the off-season, you're now on the list of emergency people for us to contact if we need to do a show like we did when Rosberg retired. Yeah. <laughs> well, vice versa, the same back at you because everybody else has gone on holiday. So I think uh, it's your, you are our first port of call. Yeah, we, we, we can fill in on the BBC, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple of shows next year that are looking very baggy. well you got our contact details we know you're very pressed for time so uh, thank you for joining us tonight it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on and we'd love to have you back again at some point when, I would uh, love to come back again. Thank you, you Thank you for passing. Can I just can I ask a final question? Because that's kind of my job. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and because clearly I don't subscribe or listen enough to this show, which is beautiful. But who are you going for the title for next year? Lewis Hamilton for me. He's the obvious choice. Yeah. At the moment, I find it difficult to look past Lewis Hamilton. Although as an outside bet, I want to say Charles Leclerc. I'm going to agree with you, Chris. It could it could be Leclerc, but I think um, Mercedes will get the car right again. And we've seen the new Lewis Hamilton this year, and I think he'll carry that on into 2019. Ask us again oh. after Barcelona testing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just ask after Barcelona. Let's, <laughs> Let's make that a date. <laughs> who, do you, who are you going for, Jenny? Uh, I'm really torn. I think Vettel potentially for next year. I think Ferrari will learn lots. I think um, Leclerc will raise Vettel's game, and I just think he'll come back and he'll he'll be mad. He'll be cross about this year, and he'll come back and seek revenge. I, I think if, if Vettel and Leclerc can get one twos, that could damage Mercedes mm. seriously. Yeah. Ooh, actually, um, before you go, do you think Bottas can come back from this year? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've been mean to him and I adore him. Like we go back quite a long way and I think he's a very skillful um, driver. Um, but I mean, the team, the team have destroyed him. Like this is Mercedes, but that whole wingman comment after Hong, I mean, it was just bad. Mm. So let's hope so. He's, he's a strong man. He can come back from this. Uh, a Finnish warrior, I believe Toto said. Yes, a, str- um, a strong Finnish warrior. Yeah. What, just after he called him a wingman? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a few months after, but yeah. yeah. Just after, absolutely. Good one, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks very much for joining us, Jenny. We do appreciate you coming on the show. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me and have a lovely Christmas and enjoy 2019. We certainly, thanks we certainly will. Thanks, Jenny. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Just want to say thanks to Jenny for uh, taking time out to yep. join us and uh, we'd love to have her on the show again. Yeah, that absolutely. Was good fun. Thank you very much. Right, Lee, you were saying earlier about Sergei Sorokin. Apparently he thought his uh, second year in Formula 1 was a given and it, well, it's turned out not to be. 
Well, I thought that he decided not to take the option on his second year because the car was so poor. Mm. Now, the one I heard, this is, this is how much F1 rumours go around. The one I heard was his backers had decided not to back him for another year at Williams because the car was so poor. And no. what I'd heard was he'd asked his backers not to back him for another year. <laughs> I think he's again oh, convinced. So Dan's story and my story are close. I think he's again confused with Kimi Raikkonen, who didn't race because of his back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Kimi Raikkonen, who... They told, they told him to sit in the lotus position when his back was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen, who set fire to the Sauber when he was testing it last week. And um, then had to put the fire out himself because the marshal was a bit too slow with the fire extinguisher. Yeah, I bet he was spoke too kindly. <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked... I don't know if anybody spotted it. His new helmet. Yeah, Kimi yeah. went with the retro design helmet. Yeah, where it was, the white was, one. He was testing with the Sauber. Co- uh, completely sponsorless overalls, as you would expect, but 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 very retro design helmet mm. with no, no um, no sort of sponsors or or inklings of of, of sauberization. That could just be the testing livery. Because we've all seen George George Russell's new helmet, haven't you? For for twenty nineteen, it's I've been not very, seen George Russell's helmet. No, it's been very Williams. Very Williamson. It's got the massive Mercedes logo on the beginning. Yes, it if does. Anyone, if anyone forgets who he belongs to. <laughs> also, if he ever forgets if what bound, his number is. To. <laughs> is that like Carlos Sainz's Renault 1 still with all the Red Bull logos yeah. on it? Yeah. It looks a lot less like the Schumacher helmet now. I've got to be it honest. does look like, yeah, yeah, it looks nothing like his helmet. Yeah. Um, just going back to the subject of Kimi Raikkonen, I think it's a good time to launch the competition. It's a very good time to launch it the competition. Is. Let's do competition time. Yes. Um, we have on the way a copy of the Kimi Raikkonen haiku book. So, what's what a haiku, Paul? It is a poem of five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. I think you'll find. In three lines. In three lines. And that's what we'd like you to compose. I thought it was a pu- like a public uprising on a hill. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I knew I knew it was bad when I went in with it. (laughs) So what we would like you to do this week if we're lucky. (laughs) So what we would like you to do, sorry, (laughs) is come up with the best Formula One haiku you can. So it's a three-line poem, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Mm -hmm. Um, send them by email to competition at threelegsfourwheels.com. And um, we will decide on the best one between us, and the winner gets a copy of the Kimi Raikkonen Mission Win Now or yeah. Winnow Haiku book. Winnow, Winnow. What's a syllable, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dessert made of fresh cream and brandy over a broken biscuit base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a syllabub. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I won one of the original copies that, yeah. that they put that they put out, and it's, it's now it's we can funny. we could spoil it completely by signing Kimi Raikkonen's book. <laughs> Before we sent it off to somebody else. <laughs> but we're not going to do that. No. It depends on what the winner of the book wants. If yeah. they want us to autograph it, we will do that. Or if they want it to be valuable, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just remembered something I was meant to do tonight talking about autographs. I'll tell you later when we've finished recording. Was it by the haiku book? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's gone. I've seen my credit card statement. That's definitely been paid for. <laughs> uh, shall we have a total shunt? Why not? Because that time already. It, it is that time already. So, well... I wasn't prepared. I know you weren't prepared. Um, iPad's upside down. This is strange. It feels like we've only been recording for ten minutes. I'm all, all flustered. 
We've been recording for much longer than that. We have been recording for much longer than that. It's all this breaking time. I'm no good at breaking time. You're also no, we're also no good at fill, filling in dead air because no. while Lee's oh, looking, is that what's happening? While Lee's oh. looking for a total shunt. I need to not look at Lee's screen. It would probably be a good idea, otherwise you'll end up getting disqualified like yeah. I did when I was well, accused I'm of cheating. Well, I'm hiding. Uh, people probably not hear me properly. There you go. Is that well, better? This guy's this guy's lucky because he well jumped the cube. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the top of the list. Yeah. Uh, Captain Chaos. Captain Chaos is a good name. It is a good name. I hope it's his real name. Were you well, in the cannonball well, run? <laughs> no, he will have been Mr. Chaos until till he got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> He'll have been Lieutenant Chaos for a while, yeah. surely. Yeah. Vice Admiral? No, no, that's that's higher than Captain. I, I kinda like the idea of it just being a birth name. <laughs> <laughs> and he lives on a remote island with his evil father. <laughs> that's that's Bob by, Chaos. That's Vice yeah. Admiral Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I was born. Yay. Well, in, well done, Captain. In nineteen seventeen. But wait, oh, hang on. Whoa, hang whoa, on. whoa. We did this one last week. What, did we? Yeah. What's the next clue? No, we did. We definitely didn't. Uh, I first raced in the 1954 Le Mans 24-hour. We definitely I didn't do this next last week. we might have done this This one. sounds very familiar. No, I've... no, we, de- we definitely didn't. We this... definitely didn't do it last week because it was the such life of last week. Yeah. Um, Eventually. I only yeah. got it on Friday. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's, def- it's definitely... Definitely not. So, I, I have right. Born in 1917, first raced in the Le Mans 24 hour. Did you say which year? 19... 1954. 54. But I failed to finish. 47 years old. Racing in. So we mentioned possible teams that it could have been last week. Yeah, this, this, could, this could be teamy. I entered F1 in 1955. My First victory was in 1958. Okay. Mm. I'd like a guess. So mm. would we. Yeah. <laughs> um, how old's Maserati? Maserati were world champions, I want to say before 58, because the first world championship was when 1950, yeah. and that was Farina and then... Was it Farina, Ascari, and then Fangio? One of Fangio's world championships was won in a Maserati. It was, wasn't it? But I want to say before 58. Mm. It's a possibility. We can throw it out there for now, if you like. Let's go with it for now. Go with it for now. Maserati. I don't think we, have we got anything better? No. <laughs> have we got anything else? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> in 1958, I was the first to lap the short Brands Hatch Indy circuit in under a minute. That's impressive. It's only tiny. Could have been a Ford Volkswagen. <laughs> Ford, Ford Volkswagen. Fuck off, Lee. What's going on with my head? Ford Golf. One oh. of those Volkswagen focuses. This is what happens when I don't feel well. You're not well. No, really sick. Oh. Be awful. Um. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next clue. I won the Le Mans in my uh, in my class in a Lotus Elise in uh, in six consecutive years from 1959 to 1946. You have to bear with me on reading some what? of these because they sort of 1959 until 1946. Oh, sorry, six, 1964. <laughs> yeah. You have to bear me bear with me with reading some of these out because they cross lines a lot. It's it's, uh, it's it's more of a book than a quiz. <laughs> So perhaps so not a team. I think, yeah, I think it is a driver, isn't it? Mm. 
I will but cast you back to being born in 1917 because I think you need all the help you can get. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> so one Le Mans in a Lotus Elise. Lotus Elise at 57. That's what makes me think it's not yeah. a driver. Not that it's impossible for a, for an older driver to win Le Mans, especially not back then, but 57? I competed in F2, IndyCar, and Tasman? Yeah. Yeah. In Australia. Ah. Do they drive like Tasmanian devils? Yeah, you just spin constantly. It was like the original just... the D1 Drifting Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love Tasmania. That was a great car too. So I think there's a chance that we could be looking at somebody Australian if they're in the Tasman series. As far as I know, that was in Australia. Possibly even in Tasmania. Jack Brabham? Although he's too, oh, sorry. too old be- because it's a, No, because it's all spe- spaced out, you've got extra clue here. Uh, in, in the Tasman series between 1964 and 1967, where I had eight wins. I don't think it's going to help you massively. No. But, nope. but I don't want to feel like I'm making it harder for you. <laughs> Competing until 60. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Jack Brabham raced until he was quite tricky. old, but, uh, but I don't. Th- he was in Formula One around about that time, wasn't he? Mm. If this is the box, think outside of the box, because when this guy sent one in, he, s- he sent it in and he said, do you think it's too hard? And I said, no, we should make them work for it. <laughs> right. you, are, so, you are definitely making us work here. So that, that clue is pretty much... Yeah, that's not a driver. You know, because, I mean, let's face it, it's not very often that I'm on your side when we're doing <laughs> this. But raced in a Lotus Elise. So that could be kind of fuel. If it helps if, you, Dan, you use it as fuel. <laughs> an engine. The internal combustion engine, no. <laughs> that, was, that was around a bit before yeah, 1917. Yes. <laughs> um, Paul remembers building it. <laughs> I got it in 52 weekly parts. <laughs> <laughs> got a free magazine with it and everything. I apologise for that laugh. <laughs> I apologise, people. Oh, that's getting mixed down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some kind of engine manufacturer, maybe. Yeah, Lotus, not known for building engines, usually. Mm. They do import them. Need a guess on this one? Yes, please. 1917. When was the Ford Model A? Just before the Ford Model B. Don't know that it worked like that. <laughs> well, it should have done. The big one was the Model T. For not only comedy's sake, but for common sense. <laughs> I can't see them pushing a Ford Model A engine into a Lotus no. Elise and it winning. No, but when was the Ford Model A? Because that would have been the first Ford engine. Yeah, side valve engine, perhaps. Or... V4 or something like that. Yeah. Or V6. V6 is a good one. Could be a V6. Hmm. Should we go for the Ford engine? The Ford V6? 
a type of Ford. A type V6. of Ford engine. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's be more. Let's let's be let's be as vaguely specific as yeah. we can. Or turbocharged engine, something like that. No, we, those wouldn't have been in Formula One in the fifties, would they? I would. I would be looking so. at something more specific. I don't mean Pacific, by the way. That that wasn't a cryptic clue. No. So, so if we were talking about engines, would we be looking at a specific manufacturer rather than a specific? Calm down, Dan. I'm not going to tell engine. you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just like Lee's fact attack. Would, it's a competition. Would it begin with the W? <laughs> <laughs> That's too far. Uh, I've already given you more help than I've ever given you. Ford, In, Ford V8. For now. For now. In 1963, I was bought by Jaguar. I don't know why I read it like that. He wrote it completely differently, and I just how, confused myself. How did he write it? Oh, oh no, yeah, no, no, it's yeah, fine. Was, it's was fine. It I just swapped around. Ah. Okay. I was bought by Jaguar. I mean, Jaguar did own Ford. For, uh, Ford did own Jaguar for a while. Yeah, Eddie Irvine yeah, doesn't Ford. even look that old. <laughs> I think we might need to move on to the next clue. Yeah. I had 97 F1 Grand Prix starts. I won 40. I won four world champion, and I won four world championships. I am not Eddie Irvine. Right. Well, it's not going to be um, not Ford, any type of Ford V8 because that one I don't like more than four world championships and a lot more than 40 races. I think. Yeah. Ford Cosworth DFV engine, but the but that was nowhere near nineteen seventeen. Not a chance. No. Cosworth weren't a company until nineteen fifty-eight. Next clue. This is your tenth and final clue. Oh. Uh, I finally went into receivership selling forklift trucks in nineteen eighty-six after being sold by British Leyland in the Year of Champions nineteen eighty-two. Right, okay, so... Former British Leyland marks. Austin, Rover, Morris, MG. You do have a Spafford clue as well. Uh, Yaff. Um, Leyland. I think Leyland was an all-over sort of holding company. I don't think they... uh, I I think they only did lorries under the Leyland name and buses. Um... Austin... You wouldn't get an Austin. You wouldn't get an Austin engine on the grid in F one, though. Yeah, Austin cars are old. They go back. That is back true, but they were they were all fitted by Rover manufactured engines. Would you like your Spafford clue? I think we'll need it. Yeah. Uh, MG. I, I I don't know how you spell how you pronounce this name. Lady Godiva. Godiva. Lady Godiva. Sorry. Uh, re, uh, let's remember, people. The guy that reads these questions is dyslexic. Let's think about that for a split second. Uh, reaches an orgasm. Right, okay. Being so. the most cryptic spaffer clue, I think, that anyone has ever given. Right, Lady Godiva was either a woman who rode through the streets of Coventry in the nude, or Cockney rhyming slang for a £5 note. <laughs> Coventry, climax. It's the Coventry, Coventry climax. climax. I'm the Coventry Climax. <laughs> Chris, that was incredible. 
That was good. I genuinely... Uh, okay, oh. I'm, I'm sat here looking confused. I've not heard of the Coventry Climax. I've heard of it. I don't know what... I don't know, like, what it, where it is it in was, Formula it, 1 history. It, it sounds like it was a kind an, of traditional English dessert. <laughs> yeah, it was so, an engine that... that, that as, as, yeah, it went through many races and won many races. I think it may have won Graham Hill his first mm. world championship. It could also be Ryman slang for how you stab somebody. I could imagine like giving a, someone a Coventry Climax is not a good thing. You, you, could, you could hear it being said in a Guy Ritchie film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's have well, a look. Well, actually, I could never hear anything in a Guy Ritchie film. <laughs> Coventry Climax was a British forklift truck at the end of its existence. Did well getting around the Brands Hatch circuit in under a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was taken out of action for being too dangerous. <laughs> But there are uh, lots of old F1 cars here. Lotus, uh, Cooper, of course. There was a Cooper, Cooper Climax. Cooper Climax, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, old classic British car mark. Yes. That was a really well, good one. That, that. Was, wow. that was great. Captain, Thank you, Captain Chaos. Captain <laughs> Chaos, you rule. Did Graham Hill win his first world championship in it with a Climax engine? Um, there you are. I'll do some Googling. There you are. Left hand of Googling that we were talking about before. Well... Do some, do some double-handed Googling. Had this out, at least. Well, I could have had it out. I'm pretty sure that the, 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 the Coventry Climax or some form of Climax won a world championship with a British driver. Um, and I want to say Graham Hill. I know he won a second world championship in a Lotus. It would make sense why I know about it if it was Graham Hill. Great, uh, the Climax was powering Graham Hill's car when up to 1961, so the best he ever did. Ah, yeah. so no, he was championship was in 62. 18th in 62, he had a BRM engine. Uh, and he won championship in 62, didn't he? Uh, yeah, and in 68, when he won his second championship, Lotus. he had a Cosworth. Mm. Yeah. That, that Lotus. explains why Lotus I've Cosworth. heard the name. If, if one was in Graham's car. Yeah. Uh, but he had a lot of non-championship races with a, uh, with a Climax engine in the car and did quite well in them. <laughs> that was bloody tough. That was so, yeah. good. Captain Chaos. Yes. Brilliant total shunt. Well yeah. done. So how do you send a total shunt in? You just tweet one to me at a private message at a total shunt. And if you want to get hold of us for the show overall, it's at three legs, four wheels yep. or... At Dan Dan Cotton, at Flood21. And at Pablo100. Um, we're there or thereabouts on Facebook all the time as well, so you can uh, get in touch, send us a message on there, or leave something on the page. Just go to facebook.com slash three legs four wheels. Do as you wish. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got the Patreon show as well, which all the donations um, keep the show going. Come basically. to the Facebook page as well. And give us a little like because we've been not 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 starved in of fact, likes lately. And I'm going to make that the only way that people can bid to what my name's going to be on the show next week. <laughs> you got to Facebook message us and and have liked the page yeah. if you don't want Chris to be called Coventry Climax next yeah. week. <laughs> That's Dan's bid, and and what what ten pounds? Ten pounds, yeah. Ten pounds calls me Coventry Climax, and so for an extra five, you're doing the Coventry accent as well. Might have to work on that one. <laughs> this is going to because yeah, the only Midlands accent I can really have a go at is Birmingham, and that's that's offensive to everybody inside and outside of Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. Thanks again to Jenny Gow for joining us this week. That was a great conversation. We'll be back next week with other things. Hopefully, we'll have uh, Craig Scarborough on with us next week. Yeah, that'd be good. More guests. More guests. Yeah. What'd be really nice as well if you can go and leave us one of those iTunes reviews. 
We're, we're up to 100 from the UK yeah. now. Go, Amazing. Go Thank you very much, UK people. Say nasty things about me. Say uh, nice things about me. Just make sure you leave five stars. <laughs> Not the 80s pop group. I don't care. I don't care what the writing bit is, as long as the stars are there iTunes is going to be interesting for the next week right I think we're about done we will see you next week we will indeed bye 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 bye